Hello, my name is Akiko. I'm from Japan. It's been 844 days that I have been dealing with the Japanese courts since my daughter was kidnapped. And this is my story. Hi everyone. Before we go to today's episode, I would like to remind everyone that we at Find My Parent recently launched a petition targeted at the Japanese government asking them to stand up for the 3 million kids who have been trafficked since 1991 legally with the help of single custody laws in Japan. Japan does not recognize joint custody laws as the lawyers and judges profit from it and receive up to 30% of the child support payments until the child reaches 20 or 21 years of age while it's a gain for the lawyers and judges this is a loss loss situation for both the children and parents affected by the single custody law winning this campaign and getting the attention of the japanese government to make a change depends on our ability to call on thousands of supporters like you your signature is all the support that we need Please support our petition by signing it today at www.change.org/joincustodyjapan or check out the show notes for the links. In this episode of Your Double Podcast, we are speaking to Akiko from Japan. Her daughter was kidnapped by her ex-husband almost 2 years ago and she has been battling the case and trying to gain back custody through the family court and supreme courts of Japan. This is the first part of two part series. In the first part we'll be speaking a lot about her story and what happened between her and her ex-husband and how she ended up being alienated. In the second part of this series we will speak more about what's happening in Japan, how backward the family court system in Japan is and so much more. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Thank you Akiko again for the podcast interview. I would like to remind everyone that this is the first part of a two part series. In the second part we'll be speaking more about Japan, what's happening in the family courts and also the Supreme Court of Japan and why a complete reform of the family courts law in Japan is very much needed. Hi Akiko, thank you for doing this episode with us. I'm grateful that you are willing to share your story with us today. Now Can you explain a bit about the background of how you became a left behind parent? Uh first of all, I had been dating my ex for many many years. We have like, you know, on and off relationship, but I met him when I am um, 22 years old, right after I graduated from college. And you know, we got very close to each other, but um he already had a trouble with money. I didn't know until we we moved in together but um uh, he had a huge debt which after so many years of dating period he he couldn't just pay off so I decided to leave him married to another person uh who happened to be 
an American and uh, moved to U.S. for three years. But the relationship didn't work out because my ex ex husband, which is American person, who didn't want to have a baby with me, but um, one condition that I made to uh, to him before the marriage was that we're going to have parents someday. But he decided not to do it after two years of our marriage, so I decided to love him. And after I came back to Japan, I didn't have no place to live because my parents didn't want me to move back in with them. So I um, went to my ex-boyfriend, which was my ex-husband, and he accepted me. That's where we got close to each other again. And eventually, we were blessed to be impregnated with my daughter, who was kidnapped by him. Eventually, that is a very sad story, though. Right. I am just curious about how did you go back to the same person after you already left them like a while ago? It seemed to be somewhat counterintuitive and it seemed to be something that you did against your own intuition. When i looking at it right now, I made a huge mistake, which was I thought he has changed and I thought our relationship became better than what I left out before. Which wasn't actually, it got worse. Yeah, I also think that uh, you were vulnerable during that point of your life. That might be one of the reasons why you did that. Yeah, so it was right after I got divorced to my first husband, right? I was hurt in deeply pain and my family rejected me and all those things. And I already left Japan, my family and my you know, well-earning job behind when I decided to marry my first husband. So uh, having to come back to Japan, abandoning all the things that I built in the United States was devastating to me. So I was really hurt. And uh, when I couldn't find any place to live, didn't have any job, it, it was very uh, desperate position. But I, I don't want to you know, use all these desperation uh, was a huge mistake because I, I thought back then he was the only person who offered a room for free for some time and uh, just accepted me. And I was very vulnerable and he seemed to be nicer than he was before when we were dating. It probably has um, something to do with my just the mindset back then, but he looked very kind and generous and sweet, which is actually a part of him. 
part of his personality. I I can't deny it, even though he has done unforgivable, unforgivable things to me by kidnapping my child. But still, back then, he he could have just you know said no, right? He could have just said, you know, you you the one who left me, and then I moved on. But he didn't do that. Probably he liked me back then. But um, I was the one who went to him, so I regret it. But th- there was nothing that I could do back then. You also mentioned that you regretted your decision to go back to him. Can you explain what changed from the position where he took you in to you regretting going back to him? Also, uh, was he able to climb back from the debt that he had when he was younger? After you got back together with him, uh, he didn't change a bit. He didn't actually. His debt was bigger than when I left him for the first time. But to me, I was so desperate, so it wasn't as big of as big as the problem. You know what I mean? It just that uh, to me, just he opened his door. To let him come in and then stay with him for a while, and just I I thought that's more important to me back then. And then I had money, so I wasn't you know I uh, I was careless about it. But that was a huge mistake. Because, you know, if we're gonna make a family, one thing you have to make sure is that you know, this person can be trustable with money and other stuff. So he had several affairs when we were married. So that you know, I would like to talk about later. But in all those things, I made a huge mistake by choosing him. In just out of my vulnerability after the terrible divorce. But you know, that's that's done. I'm just curious about why did you leave him in the first place the first time around. I know you mentioned about the debt issue, but what else was happening? Ah, uh, I shouldn't say this, but he is always okay. He's nice. He's sweet at times, but he doesn't cook. He doesn't do any of the house chores. He he's a rock musician, and I don't want to be stereotypical, but I know many of them because I, I sang in a band as well. But not many people manage money very well. Sometimes. They can be very dependable. Even when we were dating, uh, he would sleep over at my my parents' place for many days, not going to work. Uh, eat every meal at my parents' place, and usually, when you are older than twenty something, you would feel ashamed, right? But he had no common sense like that, and. Telling you the truth, I don't mean to you know make him look bad, but just the the reality it is. And all those things that turned me away first didn't bother me at all when I moved back in with him. Did he actually become a better person like you thought he was when you moved back with him? Because sometimes people do get better over time. You know what I mean? Yes, I totally do. He said uh, he said he changed. So he would work every day, of course. But you know, for one thing, I uh, paid all his debts. 
out of my wallet. So he kind of had to. <laughs> I forced him to work every day and they, you know, pay back to me little by little, but which never happened. But, uh, but anyways, uh, so he, he changed a little bit and then he acts like he is a loving father. And partially he was. He loves my daughter. He still does. Uh, but if he if he really does, he he would never have done such a thing. But that's another story. He, yeah, he he was sweet to my child, but I wasn't married to him back then because I um I knew I was pregnant. So let's go back a little, little bit of time. I was pregnant with his baby, and uh, we kept dating. But I uh, I didn't want to marry him because I knew he is under the debt and I wasn't sure he would become a good father. But this is very typical way of Japanese families that both his parents and my parents and his parents, uh, they just kind of convinced me, just talked me into uh, officially marry him for the child. Without the marital status in Japan, you would have, but I, I didn't know back then, but maybe you'd be better off. I, I could have been better off without a marital status officially because the single parent can make a lot of money out of Japanese uh, government's grant, uh, which not many people know, but it is true. But the, both of the parents uh, forced me to get married to him before the child is born. And that's the only reason I got married to him. Sorry, my story goes back and forth. Just, you know, I'm remembering and talking. No worries at all on that. And I understand that these things might take us some time to get to really understand what happened with your situation. As I mentioned just now, you already had the intuition to leave him when you were way younger. And I'm sure when you came back, you had more of the same intuition about why it might not work out with him after all. Uh, that, that's very nice, you know, good, good point. But I always had a doubt about him being a good husband and a father. But I always thought um, I was better. I had been better. And he would never do anything to harm the family as a whole. He could leave me, but I'm the one who brought bread to the house always. I'm the main moneymaker, right? And maybe I showed that attitude to him and that, you know, could have made him feel less of a man just you know build up some anger towards me i don't know but i always thought he might leave me someday or i find him not trustable person again in future and then i i i have been preparing for breakup all the time probably so I didn't change the ownership of the house, which I made, I, I bought, uh, to his name. Usually, uh, the family 
registration and the house registration, the ownership uh, is registered under a guy's name because we have very uh, sexist society in Japan. But I never done that. I knew one day probably I need to kick him out or he will leave me for another woman knowing that he is not um, in love with me, in a way. That is a pretty big statement to make. How did you know or feel that he was not in love with you? Um, because he would attack me sometimes when he was drunk or you know, not feeling uh, happy or physically, and he would break things those things too and then he would uh sleep outside home consecutive days without calling me or receiving any of the calls that you know those tasks to me um speaks loud that he doesn't belong to the house or he doesn't consider us, including my daughter, as his family. We had good times too. He would, you know, play with my daughter whenever he has time, and he would, uh, you know, bathe her. He would do many sweet things as her father, but still, I couldn't really trust him hundred percent because of those acts and the the the, the experience that. That I had continuously from the time we were dating, like so many years ago. I feel that you're holding something back while you're explaining all this. Do you mind explaining about it a bit deeper about what happened before, if it's okay with you? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, it is hard. Uh, it is hard to bring it out a little bit. Uh, but when I was dating him, of uh, in early 20, I got pregnant with his child once, but uh, I had to do an abortion because he didn't have any money to make a family together. And I was very angry about it. And then that's the only reason that I had to leave him to begin with. I didn't care he had a huge debt, but if he showed a little you know, sympathy about that history of us and little uh, effort to pay off his debts, then I wouldn't have been so angry. You know what I mean? But he didn't do that. And in fact, his debt became bigger while we were dating and then I, I I was still angry about it uh, when we got eventually married with a beautiful child and he never showed and, and I paid all his debts right and he his attitude didn't change he would hide his extra salary 
um, those things, like every day's little, little tiny thing that he started to take his toll. And I would have said, this is not your house. I bought this house before I married to you. And that's true. And if you have anything against me, you are welcome to leave this house. But that type of behavior was not good as a mother and a wife. So I, I regret that. But there's no excuse of being so theater all the time and abuse me and some you know, breaking the home furniture, right? Yeah, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that he has his own reason to dislike me, after all. Right, I see what you mean. What actually made you decide to divorce him finally? Because I see that you stayed in the same marriage for some time and tried to make it work, even after you know that he was not going to be a good husband. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, so, so first of all, I told you that I wasn't going to you know, be married to him, right? Um, until my parents and his parents forced me to. But once we got married, we had a daughter. And she liked both of us as parents, of course. She loves me and she loves her father. And I could see that. So I tried, I tried really hard to make things work. I tried everything, uh, you know, take them both to trip abroad at least once a year. Uh, we've been to Singapore, Hawaii, uh, San Diego, and LA, which was all good. And I, I, you know, I, I paid everything, of course. And I tried to make him happy as well. I think maybe he has another story on his side. But eventually, we started arguing loud in front of my daughter and then he started spending nights outside the house for weeks and I figured this is not healthy relationship and this is not healthy relationship to my daughter there is more damage to her to keep this relationship than releasing it that's why I uh, started talking about the divorce with him and he got really, really angry. And then, then it leads to the kidnapping issue. Do you mind sharing about how did you go about asking for the divorce? I'm asking to make sure that you asking for the divorce was not the trigger for the kidnapping. Actually, I asked him to make time for me after my daughter is asleep or at her nursery. Um, Maybe six months before we actually got to talk. I wanted to talk to him about it, but he sensed that I was going to ask for divorce, right? 
So he avoided it for many months. And I、um, nailed the date, and he couldn't just anyway、um, escape for it. I got to talk to him. And at first, he said he knew I was going to ask for a divorce that night. That's why he just you know, avoided me. He didn't want to talk.、Um, but if I didn't change my mind, he, he's not going to divorce, but Um, he would leave the house and have somewhere else near it so he can、uh, see my daughter. So I said, fine. And that, that's the you know, only thing that I was asking for. And, and I assured him he could see my daughter whenever he likes. And I offered him to make an official paperwork agreement notarized by government official and have two copies to keep in you know, both parties' hands so that if either me or him get Angrier or、uh, have an other partner to live with, we can still be parents. And he said, Fine, let's do it. But it never happened because right after that conversation was made,、um, he went to A divorce lawyer to talk about this case, and I decided to hear, decided to do whatever the lawyer told him. I think, I think it is,、um, it is a speculation. I, I cannot say for sure, but.、Um, I'm pretty sure that、uh, after that first conversation of me talking you know, about divorce,、uh, he went to find a good lawyer for him, of course. His lawyer sucks. Why do you think he went with the decision to meet a lawyer and then kidnap your daughter compared to having an amicable end to the marriage if he's not happy in that particular way? Yeah,、marriage? I think money. As for one good reason, and the, the situation he had, and environment he、uh, had was、uh, basically a housewife. He, he, you know, he, he worked, but、uh, he never got a permanent job until I told him so. I helped him to apply for a good job, and he, he didn't want to do it first because he didn't want to be、um, free. I don't know, just probably strength. Uh, I don't know. But he, he finally got a good job. After two years of my、um, first born daughters came into this world, he, he had like a random worker 
construction worker. And he had been, I think, so content to be my dependent. I don't want to call him dependent person, but that's the reality. And he had no complaint. He had no complaint. And I thought he, he was that way because he loved me. He had no complaints about me uh, getting a new job, uh, being, uh, yeah, do, doing anything. He, he was very supportive when it comes to my job. So I had no problem leaving my child uh, to play with them when I was away in other countries. Of course, you know, I, I missed her, missed my daughter, but um, I was pretty sure that he wouldn't hurt my daughter. And I treated him like, and maybe that's another issue that we had, but I treated him like um, my son, actually. I felt like I have this responsibility to foster him and make money for him so that our family can be functioning and happy, having enough money and yes, be a family. But he cheated on me and he would go out and not tell me where he went and and I started arguing with in front of my daughter. And there's this, I contributed my part too, but all those things uh, was too much suddenly to me at least. And then he probably didn't like the change. And if he has any uh, motivation to improve our life or uh, the way he treats Things in a family, he would work harder to pay his own, own debt off, right? And those things, he, he, he has never done that. Even after I started, you know, telling him, okay, you, you, you can live if you don't like me. You can live. This is my house. Your place doesn't belong here. Even after I say those things, I, I know, I knew back then. It, it was so unfair, right? I'm the one who decided to get married to him. And now that we are family and me keeping treating him as my son, was not unfair. But if he didn't like that attitude, without violating, violating things or, you know, kick me in my butt, he could have done so. But he never changed, and he didn't show any intention to change. I'm sorry about going back to the same question, but I feel like there's something missing in the story. So let me ask the same question again. Was there anything else in your marriage that happened that made you decide on the divorce? Well, I can. <laughs> I can, but um, I, need, I need 12 hours to talk about it. So, um, yeah, so um, probably he was happy when, you know, our daughters was born, I was happy too. And I wanted to become a mother for a long, long time. I decided my daughter to be called Matsuri, which is my daughter's name, when I was 14 years old. Taking a shower, while taking a shower, this name popped up in my head and I thought it was so cute to be a girl's name. 
And I so wanted to have a girl. And that was my dream come true, May, you know, when my daughter was born. So I was so happy. And then uh, he was happy as well. So we were good about, uh, yeah, maybe one year, the first one year of our marriage. But that was, remember, that was after 15 years of failing dating for them. And our first year was so dreamy because of my daughter, because of our daughter. So we were so blessed. And I, I never regretted that I had a baby with him because he's perfect. But I could have done it on my own, like I first wanted to. And um, he started cheating on me, maybe because you know, the, the part of me always had the doubt about him, like I told you before. I always had this doubt about him, and I probably showed that to him constantly. And that could be very painful, right? Even if he never showed any changes, never uh, be confident father and husband to me. Being nagged all the time for it must have been hurtful. But, but, <laughs> um, I was nice to him too. I, he, he, Love to play games, internet games. So he would sleep on the couch while playing it when I was taking care of my baby. And uh, he never pitched in to help, uh, I mean, through the night. But he would play video games all night, right? And then he fell asleep. And then I, I was up all night, right? So I uh, went to the bathroom and I found him sleep on the couch. And I would cover him with a uh, a blanket and then he would like he didn't like to be awakened he didn't like to you know wake up when he was kind of deep asleep so he would hit me by me covering him up with a blanket and um maybe i would ask you to uh, delete this request but um he would have stopped having sex with me after my baby was born for six months. And of course, I lost my drive as well, but just not being touched was hard for me as a woman. It's just that um, I could have, you know, refused it. I know I'm selfish, but I could have refused it if I didn't feel like it. But um, kind of being treated like his mother and his daughter's mother all the time. Probably this is very um, common um, issues of like a global couple, but I um, didn't like that either. And then he started cheating on, other cheating on me with other women. And then I found out when I was out uh, in Thailand, taking care of my business, and um, came back to hear my daughter saying, "Hey, I went to uh, this park and that park with uh, my father's daddy's friend, right?" 
and this daddy's friend was supposed to be a god, which I was told. But um, one thing he didn't tell me, and uh, later I figured out was his girlfriend. So his girlfriend was taking out uh, my daughter to the park when I was walking so hard outside the house, right? And that was that was the first blow uh, that I had being married. And um, but I still continued to try to work things out. I I still wanted uh, my um, getting divorced was the last resort for me, even though I had a doubt in future, but. For my daughter, I didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to do that. So it was very long. And then my uh, daughter got kidnapped when she was six years old. And that was um, shortly after she started elementary school. And on that, uh, occasion, I um, quit my old job and started my own company so that I can spend more time to be with her. So ironically, I could spend some time with her after she got kidnapped, only because I didn't have a constant job, no obligation on the job. So I uh, put everything on hold. I uh, I told all my clients that I would take take some time off, and then I spent all my time to see my daughter after she got kidnapped. And maybe this story, you know, gets uh, further to your next question. But um, I filed for the preservative action case to the family court, which is preservation uh, action is that uh, the fighter, the petitioner would ask for the law intervene saying this condition has to go back to where it was, uh, which means because my daughter was kidnapped, I asked the family court to tell the opponent to give my daughter back to where she was. She was. So I, I, I filed for the case on the less than a week, I think, five days or six days after the actual. Uh, abduction, which is so rare, because usually the lawyer would take few weeks at least. The shortest is two weeks before the filing the case to the family court. And my case happened in the 16th of December, actually the 17th of December, because it was after uh, after midnight, and I I filed it. On the very next day, and it took me six 
days probably to be filed in the court, which was good. It was good, but um, it didn't make anything different. I I had to go through as long as two years of court fight and. Um, Last month, the case went to the Supreme Court, so I'm still fighting. But I got to live with my daughter. But I, yeah, like I said, um, I'll be alienated um, from her for six, no, 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 seven, one year and seven months long. I got to see her constantly because of my filing was so quick and the family called in vain and tell the, uh, the open lawyer to let me see the, the daughter more than once a month, which was their suggestion. They offered only once a month, one hour a month meeting with my daughter, but um, uh, the family court told them that's not enough. And I, I am very grateful. I thought back then that it's just ridiculous, ridiculous for someone who raised, have raised this child since she was born. Now, since she was not even born in my uterus, uh, she's been growing up in and outside of my body. And I am the first take caregiver for six years. And I quit my job because of her uh, entering the elementary school, needed more attention for me. And then, boom, her father just kidnapped her and then telling me as the second uh, take care. No, third actually, because the first take care, take caregiver, according to his uh, request, was uh, he going to work every day, but his mother is taking care of my daughter full time when she's off the school. And I'm, I'm the third. Whenever he feels like letting me see my daughter, I may be able to. Was his uh, offer. So I didn't think that's right, of course. And I didn't think that's um, reasonable. No, no way. But the family court didn't deny it like immediately. Just, you know, tell just told them that's not enough. Still, I got lucky for her that the judge was female, for her to say that in front of them. Soon I learned more parents uh, suffering with this one hour a month meeting and that uh, usually be seen reasonable by court but just bullshit and i want to fight for it yeah i really admire your passion when it comes to fighting for parents who are left behind due to alienation 
And I do agree that the family court laws in Japan is horrendous and they need a, a proper reform. But before we get to that, can you explain a bit about what happened the day that your child got kidnapped from you? Thanks. Uh, he had planned, he means my ex, of course. Uh, he planned everything for many months. Like, yes. Um, at least three months ahead. Otherwise, doesn't make sense. So um, I'm telling you what happened, okay? Uh, so we talked about divorce, and he went to the lawyer, probably. And then, then his attitude kind of changed. He kept telling me, okay, I'm moving out. But he was so uh, kind of insistent. He is kind of, uh, he stopped eating at home. No matter what I cook, you know, when, you know, I always cook because you know, uh, I have myself and my daughter, right? But he stopped eating my cooking. And then, then uh, he will tell me to sleep in other rooms. Until I um, spoke to him about this divorce, uh, he slept in the kids' room all by himself and uh, me and my daughter are living together in one bed. I know it doesn't make sense in you know Western culture, but we do that in Japan. <laughs> you get a mother sleeps with um, her children. And uh, that, that's the way it is. It just, you know, that's how we, how we do it since my daughter was born. And he was sleeping in a different room, right? But he suddenly uh, told me that, hey, I want to sleep with my daughter. Because I know I'm going to leave her. Now, now he's touching my, you know, emotional kind of compassionate side, you know. Because I told him, like I kept telling him, you will be her father for the rest of her life, and I want you to see her constantly whenever you want, and I want us to be parents for the rest of our lives because we have responsibility and we have love to share. It, it doesn't matter we broke apart as couple, but that doesn't stop us being parents. That's, that's always, you know, that's how I speak to him like that. And I don't want her to hear any conflicts between us. So I just kept this divorce thing it's secret to her. But he's the one he's you know, started acting differently, uh, telling uh you know, me that he, he has to play with her on this day and that day. And I, I was very receptive. I, I agreed almost 100% to him, knowing that he's going to move out. And I want her to spend more time with him while she can. And I knew that she's going to see him in the future constantly. But still, he, he feels that emotional and I want to help him too. And I also told him to stay this house as long as he wants. Because we were going to uh, move to Tokyo where you know, more clients to me live. So it's more convenient for me to keep my business going. So I, I um, told him, you can stay in this house as long as you want. And then I can help you find a new house in Yokohama, where his parents live. So I was trying to be supportive as much as possible to him. So I let him sleep with my daughter. And on one day, 
I was going to take her out to my friend's house party. And I told him, and then he said, um, please, please leave her with me on this particular day because I want to play with her. And I know there are a few more days for me to uh, spend time with my daughter. And I said, no, 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 come on. You will stay as her father forever. But if you say so, okay. So he's, uh, you know, so he said that and I accepted it. And she wanted to come with me. She, she knew this person who was throwing a party. And she wanted to go with me to see her. But I told her, I told my daughter, oh, please stay with your dad. He really wants to play with you. And she said, okay, right? She kind of resisted <laughs> until the last moment. But I, I said, but, but please play with your father. And so I left the house probably three in the afternoon. And they went out. And I came back home around midnight, thinking they were already asleep, because it's late. And they used to sleep in my bedroom, which is like up the very back of the house. So I I couldn't see that room from the front door. And I opened the door, stepped in. And uh, went to see my beautiful daughter's sleep, sleeping, uh, face sleeping. They weren't there. I got panicked. Went back to the kids' room, all empty. Everything was gone. The bed, furniture, books, desks, all the clothing, including my stuff, the kids' room, gone. Soon I found out he took everything, not only just my uh, daughters, but many things that I made, like the picture book, all the picture frames that I made uh, with a picture of her, right? And my CDs and uh, the, the videos that I took using my video camera, which I paid. Everything related to my daughter was gone. Got panicked. And I finally found a little note on my dining table. Typed up. Usually he writes because he doesn't know uh, many things to do on computer. So it was obvious that was drafted up by his lawyer saying, you've been telling me to leave the house. So I'm doing today. And Matsuri, our daughter, will be taken care of by me. And we will live in this house at this home address 
And if you come and ditch her back, you're going to be arrested. That's the law. And here's my lawyer. Please contact him if you ever need any information. The end. That was a note I found. I was frantic, right? I got so crazy, totally panicked. And called a cab and uh, grabbed this note and then uh, showed the driver, go there, please go there. But this is very um, sneaky part of my ex, but this address, it was right, but his house he found it was like a very tiny, tiny, uh, almost falling down apartment on the side of the hill. So this address cannot be found in GPS in a car. So it took me like 30 minutes searching and around. It was actually five minutes by car, but we couldn't find it. And uh, I couldn't just, you know, sit in the car. So I dissed the car. I started running frantically looking for this address, but it's all dark. And then not many houses in Japan has a plate of street number, which you should know. <laughs> so I couldn't find a house. I um, ran around to look for this apartment for five hours. And this was a school day. So I thought maybe I... If I wait her at the school, I will probably get to meet her. So I went home, showered, changed, and then get back to the school at 6 a.m. probably, and I waited for many hours, many hours. But she didn't come. And I started, because I was on a bike, started looking again at that area. And then finally, I found in the very, uh, the very uh, back of the bushy, narrow path. It's not even straight, very narrow path, uh, like deer would walk on. Uh, there was a tiny apartment, and then there he was. My ex-husband was smoking outside the room. So I ran up to him and I grabbed him on. What are you doing? And then he just, you know, threw me off on the ground and tried to shut the door on me. But I, um, I put my right arm through the door trying to keep him from just closing the door, right? And then he kicked me in my stomach, like really hard. And I fell off, and then he was successfully be able to shut the door. And I kept calling out my daughter's name, Matsuri, Matsuri, Matsuri. And here's my mom, and then I, I'm here for you, and what are you doing? And 
And then he called the police. So I called the police as well. And then there were two police cars came after maybe 10 minutes. And then one team uh, approached me and escorted me into his car. And another team went inside his room. And I still don't understand why that happened, but um, both the teams told me to go home. Your daughter is fine. No matter what happened, I, of course, told them everything, right? And then told them he kicked me. But uh, he, he told me, she's fine. She's calm. She's safe. Go home and file and just find a lawyer. Go to the court. I couldn't understand it because she was obviously kidnapped. Kidnapped, right? It's just abduction, child of abduction right there in front of you, in front of the low protectors, supposedly, right? They have to, they have to arrest the criminal, which is right there in front of them. But he didn't, they didn't do it. And they told me to go home. And then I just, you know, couldn't stop crying. But I didn't have nothing to do but just go home and I'm trying to find a good lawyer, which I didn't have back then because I never, never thought it could happen. Um, yeah, because I thought I am a housekeeper. Now, I am a mother and I decided to have a child. And I decided to, you know, make this family. So I never thought my ex would do anything like that. I thought he would quietly leave if things don't work out. After everything that I have done for him, I never thought he would do such things to me and to his own daughter. And the rest is the story. I filed the, yeah, and as soon as I got home, I got calls from the other lawyer, my ex's lawyer. And he said, I will send a paper to you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to reach you tomorrow. So please read carefully. And I'm going to represent your husband from now on. So find your lawyer. And I could understand. So what you wrote in this paper, what can I, you know, what can I do? Because I have no idea. I don't know what I did to deserve this. My daughter is kidnapped. I, I, I don't understand why you cited him. And the lawyer said, you, you see in my paper coming to you tomorrow. That's it. He is representing my husband and he is, yeah, like um, getting paid by torturing me in is two years and a half. and still going on. And it took me some time to find a good lawyer. So I had to go to my friend who knows the lawyer. I uh, met five different lawyers, but uh, I totally, and I, 
for the first lawyer that I hired uh, was through my friend, and he was very quick. So I'm very grateful for that. And he fought the case, like I told you, probably five or six days after my call. And um, a distant preservation file has not been uh, actually it's counseled now. Yes, the, the court said uh, this is not about the preservation, but it's about uh, the yeah custody issue, which is true. But the, the first thing is first, you know, there is abduction, right? If it's not a crime, you have to at least get a child back to where she was. But the family court didn't do that. I see. For the last few years, you have been battling in the Japanese courts about your case and your situation. Can you explain a bit about what have been happening as we have listeners from around the world and it will be beneficial for them to know how backward the Japanese family courts are? Yeah. I think this is very tricky part of Japanese law. Maybe there are many holes in the laws. Uh, other in other areas or probably other part of uh, the world, but child abduction case in Japan is so tricky because child abduction is a cr- crime, right? This is serious offense and then you have to be executed and the, your uh, constitution bans it, of course. And uh, in the constitution, there is a quote, no one, including a parent, cannot be waived by this act, right? But when it comes to the Japanese family court rules, um, there are some cases if the kidnapper and they don't say a kidnap, right? But they, they said it's like um, uh, a child moved their, <laughs> um, yeah, this, you know, the, the child is moved by the person, by the parent, both or either one, uh, from place A to B. It's just a moving out. It's just a moving from one place to another. And then that is not against the law. And the condition is, the, the, the condition and uh, criteria of being called uh, kidnap or abduction is different when it comes to appearing involved. It doesn't make sense. So even if I'm trying to explain what's wrong with it, still I don't understand. You know what I mean? It's just abduction. It's a child abduction. If the uh, someone, parent or not, uh, snaps the kid without their um, intention and without a knowledge of the custody holder and 
how can I say just yeah, snatch the kid and just uh, leave the custody holder away and move to other place to live like in falsely has to be called kidnapping, has to be called child abduction. Is what I think and what I believe. What has to be uh, the description of it, right? Has to be, has to be. Because there is no other explanation of it, right? But if a parent is one, uh, think that's the that's for a child. It doesn't have to be proved. It, it doesn't have to be proven to be uh, to be it. But if that kidnapping parent claims, okay, this is for the child. I did it for the child. I did it for him. I did it for her. Then they don't address them. They said, okay, you did it for a child. Yeah, I know, isn't it? Isn't it? That's a hole. This is not even a gray area. This is a total corruption. This is a total, total crime, which protected by law force. They know it. They know what is happening. Three million, right? Yeah, and, but they just don't want to do anything to do with it. Because those uh, corporate orders don't bother kidnapping parents has to be come from up above of police, I think. The system, system is corrupted. The, there is a corruption in a very, very critical part of the law system. And that's why nobody want to do anything about it. I'm speechless. You know, law enforcement is law and order. <laughs> if they are willingly helping kidnappers and corrupted law system, then this country is going down. No future for us. No future for children. And if they are not protected by kidnappers, how could we blame North Koreans? Don't you think? Thank you, Akiko, again for the podcast interview. I would like to remind everyone that this is the first part of a two-part series. In the second part, we'll be speaking more about Japan, what's happening in the family courts and also the Supreme Court of Japan and why a complete reform of the family court's law in Japan is very much needed. With that said, if you're interested in supporting us to bring the attention to the situation in Japan and the people who are suffering from alienation and abduction there, please support our petition at www.change.org slash joincustodyjapan. Now, I would like to remind everyone that our goal here is to share knowledge with you guys and show that you are not alone in this. With that said, if you need specific legal advice, please get your own independent advice from a qualified legal practitioner. If you're a minor or if you happen to have difficulties in understanding certain parts within this episode, 
please approach a responsible adult or someone knowledgeable and ask them for clarifications. We have done our best to make sure that it doesn't offend anyone. And if you have further questions or comments regarding Find My Parent or this interview or Scott, you can mail me at sk at findmyparent.org. If you are someone who got separated from your own parent and would like to find your parent again, please go to findmyparent.org and fill out your details. With the help of our smart algorithms and matching technology, we hope to help you find your alienated parent again. If you're part of an NGO or even a private company passionate about this topic, please reach out through the contact us page at findmyparent.org and we hope to work together with you. All right, folks, that's it for today. Speak to you soon. Take care. Till then.